0: Welcome back, everyone. This is the x I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, x exone, at x com on all social media sites, x Radio TV. To check out who we have, where we have, and how we have on the x Radio Show, go to dot com, And for all the programming that we have, 724-365 on the x Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net By the way, the July 2017 edition of the X Chronicles newspaper is now available. To get your copy, simply go to xchroniclesnewspaper.com My guest this hour, exonation is Jeffrey Armstrong. And for the last 50 years, he has been unveiling the various parts of a large colonial conspiracy to bury ancient knowledge that empowers the individual And establishes our true individual nature and purpose. Though there are hundreds of translations of the Gita into English, and in his uh, research and opinion, they all fall short of the correct translation in various ways. Joining me now is Jeffrey Armstrong. And Jeffrey, welcome back. (laughs) Jeffrey, Jeffrey, welcome back to the X Zone.
2: Thank you. I'm back with you.
0: Uh, What have you been up to since you and I last spoke?
2: Well, traveling the world, teaching, and Mm. writing two books. One is about how the English language was used to colonize the rest of the world by the British. And the second is a translation of the Bhagavad Gita, another one,
0: you could Mm. say. Tell us about the Bhagavad Gita.
2: Well, the Bhagavad Gita is, if you wanted a simple way to think of it, is the most important text on yoga and yoga is not religion mm-hmm. yoga treats each individual as if they were an immortal being visiting the realm of matter and learning as if the universe is a university and so the Bhagavad Gita explains mm-hmm. you might say the ultimate existential activity which is how the individual can sort out both being here and leaving and going where they're from when they're ready.
0: So basically returning home. Not only returning
2: home, but being here in the most elegant and interesting way, as if being here is also important, because we're here
0: learning. So where do we come from? Mm.
2: Well the notion is that both we and where we're come from Mm -hmm. have one great thing in common. And that is another way to say this is Helen Keller was once addressed this with the same question. And she said, I believe that my true self is immortal because within me, I have immortal longings. So the notion is that we simply cannot die. The greatest myth of our existence is that we can die.
0: No disrespect, but how do we know that's true, Jeffrey?
2: Because everyone wants it. It's the most scientifically obvious thing. No one wants to die.
0: I agree, but I also want to have a brand new Cadillac in my driveway tomorrow, and I've been wanting to have one of those for years. And every every morning I wake up and there's my uh, Chevy Nova.
2: Yes, it's almost as important as not wanting to die yourself. It's not wanting to lose your Cadillac. Mm -hmm. So both of those are teaching us something very important existentially. So the most important part of understanding this is, this is not something you join. This is something you decide to live as the way you see reality. So it cannot be forced. It cannot be even taught person has to decide and this is the part that's been left out and who was colonizing the world were essentially large bureaucratic religious organizations who had an agenda to get
0: everyone to join so it sounds like there's a conspiracy afoot there is all right let's talk about it when we come back from this uh, two-minute break Exonation Jeffrey Armstrong is our guest this hour and if you'd like to find out more about Jeffrey, visit his website, www.jeffreyarmstrong.com. That's www.jeffreyarmstrong.com. And Jeffrey and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to us around the world on the Zone Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Digital Satellite and Broadcast Network, Wi-Fi Broadcast Network, and of course, our good friends at iHeartRadio. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
1: This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media,
0: Jeffrey Armstrong is my guest for this hour. It's nation, www.jeffreyarmstrong.com. Jeffrey, tell me about how you see this conspiracy and who's behind it.
2: Well, Rob, going on the heels of what we were just talking about, think of it this way. Okay. What if we've all simply been intimidated? First, we were told we were bad. Mm -hmm. And then we were told that we were the problem. And we were told we only have one life. And we were told that we can't solve our own problem and we were told that the power is not in our hands and then our ancestors if, at least if you're caucasian went around the world and telling other cultures they were de facto wrong telling them they had to change their language change mm-hmm. their name so india is not the name of india India is the name that was given to india by the british india calls itself Bharat. and this was true for all the colonized cultures so really what everyone is being told is they are their skin, they are their gender, they are all their limitations, they have no hope, somebody has to save them, and the exact opposite is the teachings of yoga.
0: How do we know yoga is right and we're wrong?
2: We don't. That's why it's up to the individual, and it's simply a binary choice.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You, you either are only living for one life, and you'll have to be the one to decide, Or you look inside and say, no, that makes no sense to me. I'm an immortal being, and so are you, and so are you, and so are you. But here's the thing. If you see everyone as their skin and their culture, then everyone will be opposed to you. You'll see them that way. If you see everyone as their consciousness, you'll say, well, you're like I am, and I'm like you are. We're different, but we're also exactly the same. Same with the creatures, same with the animals, same with everything, everything that lives. Then we'll become our friends. So imagine the implications of just being friendly at basis with everyone and seeing them as like yourself instead of all of these divisive differences that are tearing the world apart right now.
0: Well, I I, I don't know if, if... That's the reason why the world is being torn apart, Jeffrey. I certainly do agree with you that the world is being uh, torn apart these days. But when you look at the big picture, you know, you've got to say there's more to it than an alleged conspiracy within the religious faction for control of the entire world.
2: Well, I'm not saying it's just the religions. I'm saying that it's the governments, the scientists, Mm -hmm. the religions, because they're all religions. They're all blind faith beliefs. And to call them other than that is to miss the point. They are simply blind faith beliefs. That's all they are. They don't have authority, and they don't have proof that they exist. Mm -hmm. So nobody has proof. Let's be clear on that. Scientists don't have proof of the reason for life or meaning of existence. Neither do politicians. So none of them are qualified to say that their view is any better than anyone else's. That's the first thing to get. And then we level the playing field. And on that leveled playing field, we then start asking questions about who has a bigger view? How long have they held that view?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, for example, where does the English language come from? You tell me. Well, one of the sources was French. Another one was Latin because the Romans went and conquered Gaul, mm-hmm. England. That is before the time of Jesus. And then after that, the French through the Norman invasion went into England, so French mixed with Anglo-Saxon. And then where did Latin and Greek come from? This is the unasked question. Our culture starts with Greece and Rome and goes forward, but that's just a couple thousand years ago.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Is that how long history has existed? Isn't that what the religions are telling us? Five thousand years ago? It all began, everything was created?
0: Well I don't think there's the idea I don't think that that's not true. I don't think anybody's ever said that, you know, the the creation was only five thousand years ago.
2: Yes, that's the actual belief of the Abrahamic religions. It is
0: so. Well I'm a Christian and I don't believe that.
2: Well, then you haven't read carefully enough, if no due respect, because it is exactly the chronology. When Christian British went to India, Mm -hmm. they believed that four thousand six hundred years previous to that on a Thursday, the whole universe was created.
0: Well, I I you know, like that is one way of looking at it. But that would be the way that that it was looked at by by those many years ago, Jeffrey. Anyone with a half a brain in their head wouldn't knows today that is, you know the creation of this planet, this life force, this sphere that we yes. call Earth is way, way, way You know, way older older than than that. that. We're looking at over 163 million years ago.
2: Yes, exactly. Or longer. In fact, much longer. So what is the origin of that viewpoint historically? That's what I'm now asking. What is the origin of the correct viewpoint? Because it's not Europe. It's not England. It's not any of the cultures. It's not Christianity. It's not Judaism. And it's not Islam. So what is it? It's India. Why India, which has, India is which the most backward view for the last five, ten thousand years. But India and, is so
0: backwards.
2: No, they're not at all backwards. Oh, That's come where on. science came from.
0: Oh come That's on. Yeah. Zero
2: came from medicine, surgery, chemistry, geometry, mathematics, algebra, trigonometry, astronomy. Didn't Didn't, cosmology.
0: didn't uh, medicine come from Greece?
2: No the, the surgical text in India was published 800 BC along with the medical text. And at that time, they were doing brain surgery, plastic surgery, cataract operations. Okay. These are the the things that have been not said to our culture. And uh, the language question, which we didn't finish on,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: the language of Sanskrit, the classical language behind all the languages of India, all the primary languages of India,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: is well known by linguists to be the mother of Greek, Latin, Aramaic, Phoenician, Hebrew, Russian, Scandinavian, Irish, Gaelic, Celtic, all of those cultures. It's now well known so, by everyone except everyone.
0: So what are you saying that, you know, we should, we should look at India as the center of creation?
2: Not the center of creation, but simply as the original source of much of what we know, which was taken by colonization from them, and that they weren't given credit for the things that they knew when we were still living in mud huts. And so they haven't been treated with the correct respect as the culture that has been the origin of these teachings in our world, including for modern science. Why is this so important to you? Well, it's not important to me. It's important to us.
0: Why? It hasn't hasn't changed our lives over the last several thousand years. Why worry about it now? Let's move on.
2: Yes, because you can see that India took over IT within 50 years of leaving being colonized. So it's not something that happened then.
0: All right. So once it's again, an
2: ongoing culture that still has valuable roots and wisdom. So it's not a competitive thing. My question to you would be: If we found the largest library in the world, you could well ask, why do we care? Well, the answer is because we'll find out what people have known for thousands and thousands well, of years. Number well, one. Have you been Two. to India?
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you Many agree? Times. Do you agree with people defecating uh, on the on on the public streets? Well, if
2: I agree with people colonizing a country, it is so
0: it is so filthy over there.
2: Yes. And let me ask you this. So tell me another country that's been colonized, brutalized, raped, pillaged and was the number one economy Mm. in the 16th century and has been reduced to poverty. So what you see. Is the culture that was reduced to poverty by colonization? Oh, I, I, don't, <laughs> and buy that. I don't buy that. it's intrinsic dirty I don't. by nature.
0: I don't buy that. I'm sorry.
2: Well, you don't buy it because you haven't read it, because it's the actual truth.
0: If it was the actual truth, and if they were so smart, so savvy, and the answer to all the problems of the world today, they wouldn't be living. Wait that. a second. I'm not. T- I'm not finished talking well, now. They I wouldn't. The they that. wouldn't be living in the squalor that they live, in. they wouldn't be living of course in
2: the. F- they would. Oh, Every culture that was colonized has been limited by. That colonization until they recover, and China, India, and much of Asia are in the process of recovery right, from being so, colonized so, for the last four hundred years.
0: So why hasn't uh, why hasn't India then recovered?
2: Well, because it requires power. There's an old saying that it, British dominated the world for three hundred years with gunpowder. Yeah, and India took it back over in fifty years with curry powder. Now the point of this is that if somebody has weapons beyond your ability, it doesn't make them right. It only makes them violent and capable. So might does not make right. Might simply gives you the power to dominate. And the question is what is right and what is true. And it's also a question of what has been happening on the history of our planet. How much do we know? So we know for sure with great scholarship Mm -hmm. that for the last 10,000 years, India was the highest civilization on the planet until it was colonized and destroyed. And a broken India is what we see now. So you can't point to the house of someone whose house was broken in, everyone was raped, pillaged, everything stolen, broken down, nothing works, and then you point to the house and say, look at these filthy people. Well, come on, sure you can. Look what happened to- oh, you can't. Yeah, well, because I, they listen. haven't had time to rebuild. What you should ask is what- were their contributions to what we call the modern world and science and religion. There's not a religion on the planet that didn't receive its knowledge from India and the knowledge that was being transmitted because their languages Mm -hmm. were from Sanskrit, Greek,
0: Latin, all of it. I I know you've, you've gone over this before, so I don't want to waste any more time going over the same thing twice. But I, I, I don't understand that if you're so gun ho on India, why you don't live there?
2: I have no reason to move anywhere else. I'm not an Indian. I'm a philosopher. Philosophers live on the planet. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not country-centric. I haven't joined a club. I'm not an Indian. Yeah. I'm not, I haven't changed my nationality or my passport. What we're talking about goes beyond boundaries, fences, passports, religions, boundaries. It's just truth. And truth goes beyond those boundaries. And that's what I live by. So I live it with and in truth. And if you show me a truth, I'll adopt it, and it'll become part of where I live.
0: But this is how you want to perceive it. This is how you no, want to live No, it's not.
2: It. It's scholarship. You can't make it disappear by waving your hand and saying it's my opinion. It is not.
0: No, but I can. I can make it disappear by saying, hey, it doesn't interest me.
2: That you can do, but that's different. The the whole principle of this kind of knowledge is never try to force it on someone. So because we're voluntarily talking to one Mm -hmm. another, I assume you want to hear me. But if you said you didn't, I would stop because that's different. Then I would be in violation of my own principles, which is not to try to force you or anyone to entertain views that I may be entertaining. It's not my place to force you. So I would never propose that. I would always be kind and gentle and respectful, mm-hmm. and respect your choice and your free will to choose other be- beliefs and viewpoints. But as scholars, we can talk. And if I say I can prove something historically, I then have to prove it. I can't just make it be an opinion. But there are other. But there call. are
0: other countries around the world who have suffered worse plight, in my opinion, than India. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Uh- could be so. Like we, we 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 You know, I, I'd rather talk about the I would rather talk about the atrocities of World War One than than what is happening in India.
2: Well, no, because you won't find truths of the kind I'm talking about buried there, but you will in the Sanskrit libraries of India. And that knowledge has not been brought forward yet, in its fullest sense, by exactly the kind of resistance you're talking to. Cultural resistance that doesn't even want to hear. Whereas the real point is, Mm -hmm. why would we not want to hear the information passed down from a great culture that existed for 10,000 years before our own?
0: All right, stand by. I've got to take my news break here at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation, Jeffrey Armstrong is our guest, www.jeffreyarmstrong.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this news break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you'd like to get a copy of the July issue of the X Chronicles newspaper, July 2017, just go to www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. I'll be back. Don't go away. Jeffrey Armstrong is our guest, JeffreyArmstrong.com. Jeffrey, all the information that you have that that is contrary to public belief as well as public history, why hasn't this information been released, revealed, if it's true and factual?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Robin. Sometimes in the heat of trying to just get ideas forward, mm-hmm. the real spirit of it gets lost. But part of the reason is that this knowledge is considered very... Uh, first of all precious to the people that have it and like many of the cultures, the indigenous cultures when they were colonized Mm -hmm. uh, they had a different world view and they didn't think that other human beings would behave the way the settlers who came in and took everything from them did so there's a couple of reasons one is that until things are funded they don't get properly brought forward in ways that everyone can easily share so our educational system and universities came into being in a context uh, that was partially based on uh, you might say being the intelligence behind colonization mm-hmm. and partly truth seeking and you can't say that universities have entirely been about truth seeking because they were funded by people who were colonizing this was very much true in england so we haven't sorted through yet how much of the scholarship was genuine and how much was lies And because it was scholarship, a lot of scholarship is actually lies. The way a lot of studies done by pharmaceutical companies are lies, and some of the ones done are true, but it takes money and impartial individuals to sort it out. So this has been the case with this knowledge as well. It hasn't been sorted through yet, sincerely. That's really the truth.
0: So why haven't the Indian people started any kind of push to get their side out there and to set the record straight?
2: Yes, well, in fact, that's a good question. Uh, It has been the case that the knowledge that's come to people like myself has resulted from the teachers and scholars of the culture coming out to the world, some in academic settings. So when I studied Sanskrit, I studied it Mm -hmm. from a practitioner of it from India who was teaching at the University of Hawaii. When I got my degree in history and comparative religion, I studied from Christians, Jews, Jews, Tibetans and also people from India so it's taken a little while just in the normal way that life is for the knowledge of India to unfold and become available it turns out that a first speaker of English like myself who learns this as a truth doesn't join it as a club doesn't think I'm going to go become something but just sees it as truths that are credible then simply wants to bring that forward Into the culture So really It's a a gradual process Because there's a great deal to know And a lot of it has been buried Because it wasn't popular To bring it out previously And that's where the conspiracy part comes in It's a funny kind of large Loud conspiracy That doesn't even want to hear It's kind of the way it's worked
0: Tell me about this library The Sanskrit library that you were talking about
2: Okay Well First of all, if you get the implications that there's hundreds of words in English that come from Sanskrit, mm-hmm.
3: I'll
2: give you one simple idea. Uh, th- the Pope is said to speak when he speaks from the chair in Rome, uh, uh, ex cathedra, and ex cathedra, katha is speech, cantha, or throat. And so words like that have come across into Latin, come from Sanskrit, and exist originally in Sanskrit. So think of one of the ways we study the trail of cultures. We trace languages back and see where they come from. So our culture is mostly stopped at the Greeks. Yet there's a a clear path that goes back 3,000, 5,000 more years through Persia and into India, and then the academic mother The superior language Mm -hmm. to Latin, Greek, English, the Romance languages and so forth, Sanskrit, is still a spoken language in India by millions of people, scholars. And it has a, a large library with hundreds of thousands of books that haven't yet been translated. So that's a huge treasure. And that treasure hasn't been opened yet. And it's mostly because people don't think it's important to do. In India, it is beginning to happen now more and more. And there are more translators and more scholars coming forward, many of whom are proving even astronomically that, for example, the Bhagavad Gita was spoken 5,000 years ago at the time given in the original text, because it can be proven by the astronomical uh, references given in the text. Because now with computers, we can dial back this, the vision of the sky to the 5,000 years ago and see that, yes, exactly that's the sky as it was described. So all of this investigation took a little while.
3: Hmm.
2: Took a little while to dig out, and and as we're talking between us, to make it provable, not just opinion. I wouldn't come on and just give it to you as opinion. I would think that was rude and and unsophisticated and not helpful. But But, the things we are talking about, if we took the time together, mm -hmm. I could show you a pathway that leads back. I'll give you just one simple example. During the time of Jesus, Mm -hmm. there were... 150 ships a year going from India to Rome. Okay. 150. Okay. So this means that there's been a cultural exchange between India and our cultures since that time, at the very least. So I didn't go to India to find out about India in the 60s. I went to Berkeley, California. Well, in, you know, Jesus would not have had to go, pardon me, Jesus would not have had to go to India mm-hmm. to learn about the culture of India He could have gone to the University of Alexandria in Egypt where he was in exile.
0: Well, according to uh, Rahulan Rajan, a professor of linguistics in India, um, uh, he was asked the question, is the English language derived from the Sanskrit? And he said, no, you probably heard some right-wing RSS type guy calling Sanskrit the mother of all languages. Let's say there is a group of people speaking language, uh, language A, From A, a smaller group splits up, moves away, and decides to reinvent language A and call it B, and voila. You know, so even the Indians, uh, the uh, the professors in India, do not agree that Sanskrit is the mother of all languages.
2: Well, in actual fact, they do, and so do the rest of the scholars, but they've nicknamed it Indo-Aryan because the British invented a theory called the Aryan Invasion Theory, that suggested that Germans went to India, or mm-hmm. Aryans from Europe, invaded India, and it was their justification of why they were invading India, because it had been done before. So they said that the knowledge and culture of India had come from the Caucasus Mountains, and so on and so forth. It's called the Aryan Invasion Theory. Mm-hmm. It is the lobbying back and forth of erroneous information, sometimes by both sides, but immensely by the British side, Because, after all, Oxford University studied Sanskrit in order to translate the Bible into Sanskrit, not to study the Sanskrit literature. So, in fact, there's been a huge amount of crooked scholarship. And it's not that India would be immune to it, but the majority of it has been by the colonizers. And this is why modern people don't know that list of sciences I gave you at the beginning. All came from India. All originated in Sanskrit. All were taught in books that still exist that are in Sanskrit, and if anybody wants to prove this, they can prove it. So, How can they that, prove
0: it? How can they prove
2: it? By, by we, finding those books, translating Because we, we've seen. got we've
0: got two producers right now going through the internet trying to validate your statements about... Well, they don't
2: have time, my friend. I, wait me, a I sec, told. wait a sec,
0: wait a sec, hold on here. How do you expect anyone listening tonight to take what you're saying at face value if I don't. Two producers who are trained researchers
2: yeah.
0: are, are researchers Can I find right? it in a half
2: an hour? Believe me, I've been doing it for 50 years. So first of all, they're not scholars. Hey, so wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa Hold on here. Hold history on here. Hold on here.
0: Hold on here. They don't know who's who. Hold on here, sir. I don't take anybody insulting my staff. I'm no not one. insulting them. What, is, what are your credentials?
2: Well, in this particular subject, I've studied it for 50 years.
0: All right. You say you're a scholar. What degrees do you hold? Well, I
2: think we're at the mudslinging point. No, no, sir. No, 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 here. no, 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 sir. No. Have, no, sir. I have I... degrees in psychology, English literature, poetry, and history and comparative religion. And I have studied at the PhD level in South Asian studies. I just didn't quite finish the degree by circumstance. Uh-huh. I've been in ashram for five years, trained by scholars from India. I've gone to India and studied under teachers repeatedly. Uh-huh. I've had multiple teachers from the culture who've taught me the language and culture.
0: Uh-huh.
2: So is anyone in your staff able to say they have those credentials? They don't need to. They do to study India. That's we're not point. studying India. We that's don't want to. We, we don't want That's to, our
0: conversation. We don't that's want to study. We don't want to study India. Well, that's India? my
2: point exactly, my friend. India. And that's exactly the, exactly the problem we're addressing. You don't want to. It's not that there's no truth there. It's that you're not seeking the truth or you would want to. Well, for one thing, if you're seeking the truth and someone with the credibility that the people who have studied the Nala of India have say that it's an intelligent culture, say that that language is the sophisticated language from Greek and Latin come, Mm -hmm. which you can easily prove. Then why would you not study it? That's the point.
0: It won't make one bit of difference in my life. It will. How?
2: Because you'll become a truth teller rather than a sectarian.
0: I'm very happy with my life the way it is.
2: That's okay. I'm not telling you to change. We're speaking as persons doing a radio show. Uh So So. the you is the generic you of those who want to know the truth. It's true. If you don't want to know it, you shouldn't. I wouldn't tell you to. It's
0: not that what people want today is the age of the philosopher has gone with the age of the dinosaur
2: yeah so what do we have next? <clears throat> the age of extinction?
0: If that's the way it goes, that's the way it goes but
2: people no, i'm I'm not going to be the first but the last to help us become extinct. So the age of the philosopher is reviving, and that's the truth of what's happening well that that's why a majority of people in the United States who are educated believe in reincarnation and believe that they're not being told the whole truth. I, I don't know they if they recognize. I, I
0: don't know if they just because you believe in reincarnation.
2: Their religions have let them down I don't in be- not
0: telling the truth. Because there's enough scholars. I don't believe that just because you believe in reincarnation means that you're smarter than the person who doesn't
2: believe. I said this statistically the case because they're not satisfied with a one lifetime worldview.
0: Because they can't accept reality. They like dreaming, living in a reality world.
2: It is not a proven fact that there's only one Neither is reincarnation. I didn't say it was proven. Uh, You did. You said it was something that had to be proved, and I answered, no, it's not. It's one of your choices. It doesn't get proven. It's a choice. And the choice has to be presented correctly so you know it's a choice. In our culture, it has not been presented because the people talking, religion or science, Mm -hmm are so against the conversation that they won't even present it correctly. And that is the conspiracy. It is the conspiracy not even to have the conversation. No one from the side of the knowledge coming from India and the Vedas would ever tell you that you have to accept it. But that you should want to have the conversation is the sign of a cultured individual and someone with an open mind. And because it hasn't happened yet, Mm -hmm. and because the cultures that have the knowledge have been suppressed and colonized and almost destroyed, it's even just good manners for to listen to what they have to say before we just dismiss them.
0: Do you really think that the majority of society would really care?
2: Well, I I believe in all people as having great redeemable qualities. Mm -hmm. And if you said, uh, as you did, that you're a Christian, you also believe that they're redeemable. So just because their minds are lazy right now Mm -hmm. by habit, doesn't mean that they can't develop a taste for having a philosophical conversation if it's presented in a way that they understand is for their own best interest. And in my way of thinking, all of this is meant to be done in a gracious and gentlemanly way. It's not meant to be forced upon people. Right. So n- no, I would never force this. All right, stand interest.
0: by. i have got to take my final break. Exxon Jeffrey Armstrong is our guest, www.jeffreyarmstrong.com. And we'll be back after this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our Broadcast Centre in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.
1: This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network.
0: Jeffrey Armstrong is our guest, www.jeffreyarmstrong.com. Jeffrey, with all the turmoil in the world today, we've got problems with North Korea. We have problems in the Middle East. We have terrorist problems. We have hunger. We have unemployment. And the list goes on and on and on. At the end of the day, what you're telling us, how will that make a positive difference in our lives?
2: (laughs) Thanks, Rob. That's a wonderful question. Well... If you've seen the gesture that is exchanged between people practicing the Vedic culture of India, and it's namaste. Namaste means not me, but you. It's three Sanskrit words. Na, na, ma, Me, te, you. It's a sign of respect. And it means that I see past your culture, your skin, your ideas, mm-hmm. your thoughts, just as you and I now agree to disagree in a loving and gentlemanly way sure. in, a, in a format that's the basis of our democracy. healthy loving free speech. Mm -hmm. So at the end of this, we'll go have dinner together. We would do something that was fun and continue to enjoy each other as persons. So that's because we hold a higher vision of each other. So the basis of this entire civilization that we're talking about is a sustainable one because it looks at everyone and sees their deepest, truest self as the consciousness at the core of their being and continues to respect that even when going to war with them, what to speak of disagreeing with them. And with that in mind, and seeing all living entities that way, even if we have to eat them for dinner, which Eskimos do, I don't recommend vegetarianism for Eskimos.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So, dependent on our lifestyle, we would still honor all living beings, which we do not do, by locking them in dark buildings, cutting off their limbs, and, and harming them in sadistic ways, and calling that food. So, what this leads to, It's a sustainable, respectful, ecologically wise approach to all of us living on a planet together, and it tries to find a way for us to live here over long periods of time and not destroy each other just because we differ. I don't think any reasonable person would really think about that and then disagree with it fundamentally. They would argue that applying it is difficult, and I would agree.
0: But doesn't India also have a very, that's what I'm looking for, a very uh, hard war history with with its neighbors?
2: Yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, here's the thing. Never in their recorded history Mm -hmm. has an army left India and raped, pillaged, destroyed libraries, destroyed cultures, Mm -hmm. the way that India uh, internally, occasionally in their own culture, They used um, war as a, imagine that we have our politicians fight each other to decide issues rather than cause chaos. So if it was their job to fight each other, they'd go out on a football field, just as our athletes do, fight each other, and that would decide an issue. Then we wouldn't have to put up with war and civilian casualties. That's how India dealt with war for most of its history. Now, there are always exceptions. There's no perfect culture India has certainly not been perfect. I wouldn't say so. But it handled war that way, which is why the Bhagavad Gita was a group of people fighting on a field. And the people 100 yards away were safe. Mm. But they uh, wouldn't go off and there was no civilian casualties.
0: But that's not the way the war ended. Uh, The war was between India and Pakistan.
2: No, that's not a war exactly. That was a mischief that was created by the British when they left India. And it's also a, 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 a modern social problem that is already in the context of our type of war. But you were asking me about the culture. What I'm saying is, prior to the times when it was colonized, Mm -hmm. India has never left its borders with an army to rape, pillage, burn, destroy, and they've never destroyed other cultures, temples, or libraries, or anything like that. And they would not touch women, and they would not take slaves, they've never made slaves. So these are very desirable qualities that we all should emulate. And they're also trying to emulate them because now they're not a perfect culture by any stretch. And I'm not saying that, so please don't think so. They're a deeply wounded culture with loads of problems, and I don't point to them and say, look, great culture. I say, look, great ancient culture with wisdom we can use now. It's the wisdom tools that are the reason for looking back into that library, my friend, and not... Because India is a perfect role model right
0: now. Well, let me ask you this. If India was this great culture, yes, why aren't they still a great culture now? How come they didn't use their expertise, their knowledge, and sure. their way of operating to avoid the problems with Britain?
2: Yeah, it would be great if life was that simple. But the fact of the matter is, it's not. And I would be presumptuous if I told you why. The British got gunpowder, even though they were rude and uh, harsh and hurtful uh, in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Not that they didn't have culture, too, but mostly they were um, slave lords and made uh, the people that they um, conquered into slaves and sucked their life out. So uh, this happens. Bullies happen. When I was growing up, there were bullies all over town. And I had a lot of fights that I didn't start. Why? Because there were bullies. Bullies. So yes, I agree, imperfect world, but that doesn't mean we don't look for the wisdom tools that would improve it. And so, this is the real point of our conversation. But, but
0: don't we want to look at a hero instead of a loser?
2: Well, you you could call anyone a loser at some stage of their life. But when we look at it, when hero, we
0: look at when we look at India today, why would anyone want to follow the example of modern India? I'm sorry. Well,
2: but you see that's exactly my point. You haven't looked at it you've only looked at a broken form of it that was induced by colonization. If you'd really looked at it then i wouldn't you and i wouldn't be having this conversation. My point is there's a conspiracy of silence that keeps us from knowing what India was like before it was broken by the British with gunpowder, not with culture. and people assume that it was made obsolete by a superior culture, which is not true. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was only by gunpowder and not by culture. And this is exactly the point. And not knowing that is not being truly wise about what has been going on in our world. And I say it is our responsibility as human beings, not only to know why we're here Mm -hmm. and who we are to the best of our ability, but to understand what has gone on before us in all the cultures of the world and not see people by skin or politics or any other reason as a way of discounting their value as beings.
0: I guess that's a matter of opinion.
2: Of course. That's the whole lovely point of what we're doing. Isn't it wonderful that we live in a culture with a democracy that Mm -hmm. allows you and I to do this on the radio. I am so proud of us for being able to do this and of you for holding this space for it to happen. So it's a great thing to be with you, my
0: friend. And you, my friend. So what else have you been up to? I mean, besides trying to get India back on the map?
2: Well, my hobby is sword fighting. Oh, I've been a martial artist most of my life. And so my favorite martial art for the last two years has been rapier, which is the Renaissance sword that was used in Italy and places like that as a form, mostly of public protection. Um, So every uh, Italian in the Renaissance uh, man had to wear a sword so he could protect everyone in case there were robbers and brigands and others that came into town. Mm -hmm. So I've been studying rapier for the last couple of years, so I do sword fights every Friday night. Cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: Ever thought of taking up uh, uh, marksmanship?
2: You know, I did that as a child. I was raised in a um, military family and a hunting family. So I was raised as a hunter, raised with Uh, rifles and bows and arrow, and did all of that in my growing up learned to be in the woods with knife and live and survive, all of that. So I'm a unique mixture because I came from our North American survivalist pioneer background in terms of a family where the men all fought in the two previous wars, and I was trained to be like that as the eldest son. (laughs) And yet at the same time, and I'm a martial artist and have done those many practices, rode and trained horses all my life. I'm a horse whisperer, and yet I'm also a yogi, and I'm also – a deep practitioner of the knowledge of India, and I don't find a contradiction in that personally. I don't have trouble loving and embracing both cultures for their greatness.
0: In your opinion, what is the greatest asset that India has to offer the future?
2: I believe it's a view of the future because there's a great video, if you want to look it up on YouTube, it's Carl Sagan in an India temple of Toshiva. He's walking through the temple and talking on the camera, and he says only India and modern science calculated the age of the universe in billions of years. He said then, but India must have done that by coincidence. Now, I so honor him for being an honest, intellectual and saying, wow, this is amazing. I've learned that India has always calculated the age of the universe as billions of years. And now we scientists also know them. What he did not know, because he couldn't, didn't have enough evidence or time, is that India did it by calculation, and they did it by uh, having sophisticated tools of mathematics and astronomy, which we have now used to go beyond them with our modern scientists. So uh, NASA's current calculation of the wobble of the Earth in its orbit is that it takes 25,920 years. And that is exactly the number used by India for the last 10,000 years. Hmm. So things like that are worth pursuing. And it doesn't mean we wholesale accept everything a culture offers us up, like we've joined some church and we have to do everything.
0: But it's once, not like that. But once again, it's, it's an individual choice.
2: Oh, yeah, very intensely, which was my point at the beginning, that what yoga and all of this knowledge is about mm-hmm. is that it's meant for the individual. So at the end of the conversation, Nobody says you must do this. Nobody says you must join this church. Nobody says you must join this group or political party. Everyone in yoga says, now what you do with this possible knowledge and what you do is up to you.
0: All right, Jeffrey, we've got to say so long for tonight. I want to thank you for joining us in Dexone Nation. If you'd like to have more information on Jeffrey Armstrong. Now I know how boo-boo felt. Visit his website, www.jeffreyarmstrong.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exome from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, where people do not go to the washroom on the streets.